Well, if you have a Bible, I would very much encourage you to open to that passage in John chapter 1. Uh, as we will be referring to most of the passage, but I just want to read one verse that will really be the main focus uh, this morning. And that is John chapter 1, verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Just a brief word of prayer before we come to look at some thoughts from this passage. Dear God, we just want to come to you now. Uh, And Lord, just in the stillness, and as we come and we, we focus our attention to your word, Lord, we just pray that you would come. Come and speak to us. Lord, I pray that you would just use me as your mouthpiece. That you might speak through me. Speak into the hearts of these people here. You know their needs. You know where they are at with you. Speak into their situation. So that each of us might hear your still small voice. Saying this is the way. Walk in it. And so we look to you. In your precious name. Amen. Well. I'm sure you know that you, you really only truly get to know someone when you spend a good bit of time with them or, or when you live with them. Uh, I used to be a farm manager and uh, so as a farm manager, you, you, you manage somebody else's farm. And the farm owner, uh, he was the kind of guy that was just full on, all in. There's sort of no way halfway house for him. Uh, and one of the things that would always happen is if we took on a, a new employee uh, for the first day or week, Gary was his name. He, he would just love this guy. There was, this guy was just, you know, this new employee was just the best person ever. Everything they did was brilliant uh, and they could do nothing wrong. And then after a week, it was almost always after a week and you just knew it was coming. Uh, in the second week, then all of a sudden it just changed like that. Uh, and then all of a sudden, well, they're doing this wrong, or oh, why are they not doing that right? And then all of a sudden, this person that was the best person ever, well, almost they, they were the complete opposite. Uh, and it was just, as you got to know them, they began to truly see what they're like. And I'm sure we've all experienced that some way uh, or another in our own lives. And, and you know, this is truly the, the core meaning of this text, uh, verse 14 this morning. You see, before Jesus came... Uh, God yet knew, God's people knew him. They knew him through the Old Testament. They knew him through his word. But John, the Apostle John, is setting out here that, that through Jesus, through his life, through his ministry, through uh, uh, the signs and, uh, uh, that we see him work and his teaching, and ultimately through his death and resurrection, that we come to know God in a far greater way than was ever before possible. And as John and the other disciples saw Jesus' life, uh, and as we now can read about Jesus' life, we come to see and to know God in a a greater way than ever was before possible. And so as we come to this text this morning, I just want to look at four things that are highlighted. I want to see firstly, the wonder. Then the glory. 
then the grace, and lastly, the truth of Christ's life. And so, first of all, the wonder. And you might look at this text and you might say, well, yes, I see where you're getting the glory, I see where you're getting grace and where you're getting truth from, but where are you drawing out the wonder from? Well, the wonder is in the fact that we read the Word became flesh. The Word became flesh. Uh, and to understand this, we must uh, understand what the Word is. And, and in uh, verse 1, we, we read, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were created through Him. That's the Word. And without Him was not anything made that was made. And here we set out, uh, we see that the Word, that the Word was with God, we read. So, so he was with God. But then we go on and we read that the Word was God. Well, how can it be that the Word was with God and the Word was God? Surely it has to be one or the other. It can hardly be both. But here we, we see John setting out simply that that wonderful mystery of the Trinity. The Trinity. That, that, that complex mystery that, that, yes, God is one, yet he is free. The fact that there is one God who is in the form of one essence and he cannot be broken up. The theologians, they, they talk about how God is simple. Uh, not, not simple that he's easy to understand, but simple in that you can't take him and you can't divide him and, and separate him into different parts. He's one. But yet at the same time, while he is one essence, he is also three persons. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so the word here is the Son of God. It's Jesus. He is the Son of God. And so he was God. But he's also the second person of the Trinity. So that he is God. He's not a man. He's not even just another God. As though he were a lesser being than God. But he is the God. The God. The one God. And you know, I just want to highlight for five minutes maybe just... The importance of the Trinity. This is one of the fundamental uh, 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 doctrines of the Christian faith. You see, imagine there was no Trinity. Imagine for a moment that God, uh, there was just the Father. There was no Son. Such a God wouldn't know what it was to love. Because before the world, before he created the world, there would have been nothing. There would have just been God the Father. There was no Son to love. And that means that He either created us for two reasons. He either created us because he, he wanted to have something to love, or worse still, He created us because He wanted something to love Him. And either way, this doesn't portray a God of love, but this portrays a needy God who's dependent upon His creation. But well, this is the great truth that there was God the Father, God the Son. And God loves the Father. And he has always loved the Father throughout all eternity. And God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, they have always been satisfied with each other. They had no need to create us. But why did they? Because God the Father wanted to share his love. 
The love that he has for the son, he wanted to share it with us. You know, often we think of, of God's love and his grace displayed in the fact that he gave up his son. But the amazing truth is that, that we actually see it displayed in creation. He did not need uh, uh, to uh, create us. But he did it. Because he wanted to share his love with us. That's, that love that comes, that, 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 that he has for the son was outpoured to us and into our lives. And then we see the sun. You know, if there was no sun, then, then who would ever have come and stood in our place? Who would have died for our sins? And the wonderful thing is that whilst the father pours uh, the, his love uh, towards the son and it outpours into our lives also, the son is willing to share that love with us. He doesn't say to the Father, no way, that's not fair. But he chooses to include us in his love with the Father. And not just include us in his love, but include us with everything. Include us with his sonship, to include us that we might be adopted as God's children so that we might share in his inheritance. Imagine, imagine for a moment that... Uh, your, 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 your father is the king of a great, great country. And there's a vast wealth. And you're his son or his daughter. And you're going to inherit that great wealth. And then your dad, the king, comes to you one day and he says, Son, I've been thinking. Wouldn't it be lovely if I was just to divide everything in the kingdom and to share it with all the people that are in the kingdom? Your inheritance, I'm going to take it and divide it and give it to all of them. You'd probably think, that's not fair. This is meant to be mine. This is meant to come to me. Not God's son. He loves us so much that he was willing to share his inheritance. It's so much so that, that he was willing even to come and to be sacrificed and to die so that we might share in that inheritance. What, what a wonder. But then... If the word represents God's son, why does John, the apostle John, use, use this word, the word? Why does he not just say the son of God? Why does he not just say Jesus? Well, I think he does it for a reason. Because he's trying to, to, to cause us to see something. You see, in the Old Testament, the word would have maybe referred to a number of things. We would think most notably of God. God's word when, whenever he spoke into existence, creation. Psalm 33 verse 6, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth all their host. And so we see God and his word at work as he creates the heavens and the earth. And then again we see with Moses on Mount Sinai and how the Lord came down and spoke to him and gave him the law, gave him his commandments. So that through his law and his commandments we might live our lives for God. We might come to know who God is and how he wants us to live for him. And then again as we read in the Old Testament again and again we, we, we see that we read the word of the Lord came to Isaiah, Jeremiah, Elijah. The word of God came to the prophets and, and through the prophets God made and revealed himself to his people. But now things have changed, John says. Why? Because 
He is sending his son, his son who is the word, like a a living, breathing word. Jesus is like the living word of God. And the people in Jesus' day would read the way that he lived. They would see his behavior. They would see the signs he performed and the words that he taught. And now we too can read of them. And so through the life of Christ, through the word, we would come to know more of who God is. Hebrews 1 says, and verse 1 2 says, Long ago, at many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, from whom also he created the world. And through the living word, through Jesus, we completely and more fully see the character and attributes of God. And and the wonder is, this is the wonder that he came down to this earth. That he came down, the Son of God, as we read in verse 1, who was in the beginning. Not not meaning that, that he was created in the beginning, but meaning that he was from before the beginning. That he is the eternal God. Who we read off in verse 3 that all things were made through him. This almighty powerful God who simply just spoke into existence. The very things that we see and take for granted. He spoke and they came into existence. This powerful God. Came down to this earth to live among us. But not only is he all powerful. Uh, but, but we read in, in verse 4 that, that it says that he is light. And verse 9 says that he is the true light. You see, in the New Testament world, light represented two things. The first thing was was truth. And the second thing was holiness. And here we see in Jesus, the true light. The one who was a holy and pure God. Who knew nothing of sin. And the amazing thing is that this holy God came down, as it says in Romans 8 verse 3, in the likeness of sinful flesh, to dwell among us, to dwell among us, where he would live as a man, where, where he would be hungry and thirsty and weary, where he would weep and he'd be tempted, where he would face death, where he would leave the glory and splendor of heaven to dwell among us. This pure and holy God would live among the wicked and sinful. And why? Why why would God do such a thing? Why would he come down among sinful men like us? So that through him we might come to know God. That we might learn firsthand of his mercy and his grace and his love. But more importantly... That we might come to know God personally. So that through him we might share in his inheritance. And this is the wonder, the wonder that, that God dwelt among us. Well, secondly, we, we see his glory, and the, the text goes on, and, 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 and John highlights. Three things that, 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 uh, that, that he and his disciples witnessed as the Son of God lived among them. And he says that we have seen his glory. We have seen his glory. And the word became flesh, flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. 
This just wasn't any old glory. This was, it says, glory as of the only Son from the Father. What does that mean? It means that it just wasn't like the glory of kings and emperors. It, it wasn't like all that, that pomp and grandeur and display that we saw a few weeks ago in the coronation. Uh, it was nothing like that. This was glory that, 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 that came from Jesus in such a way that as they saw him and as they saw their life, they knew this truly is the Son of God. And how did they see that? Well, they, they saw it in the miracles that he did. Or as John says in, in, his, in his gospel, the signs. You can flick through to John chapter 4 and you, you see the official coming to Jesus and, and he's pleading for his son's life. That Jesus might come and heal him. Because he's dying. And the official says, come before the child dies. And what does Jesus do? He doesn't even go. He's, he's not even present with, this, with the boy's child. He just simply says, go. Your son will live. And he lives. Or flick through to John chapter 5. And you, you see the disabled man lying at the pool of Bethsaida. And he's been disabled for, for 38 years, longing to be healed, just trying to get down into that pool that he might be healed for 38 years. And then Jesus comes past and just looks at him and says, get up, take your bed and walk. And he's healed. And so they saw his glory. So that Whenever it says in chapter 2, as he turned the water into wine, uh, that the disciples, they see this. And what does it say? And it says, and his disciples believed in him. They saw his glory and knew that truly this is the Son of God. And, and they saw that again and again in his teaching. As Jesus taught the crowds, and, and what do we read again and again? The crowds were astonished at his teaching. Why? Because he wasn't teaching them as the, he was teaching them as one who had authority, not as the scribes. Or, or in just his life, the way that he lived day after day, without sin, never once you know, flying off the handle at somebody for the wrong reason, never once a, a, an impure thought, just pure. They saw his glory in the transfiguration or at his baptism whenever the dove descended and they heard from heaven God saying, This, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And ultimately they saw his glory as he hung on that cross, dying for the sins of the world. And he's hanging there. And he says to those who have put him there, Father, forgive them for they know not what they've done. Why did he come? So that we might see his love, his mercy, his compassion firsthand. That we might see the glory of God. And I wonder today, have you seen the glory of God? Have you seen firsthand that that man that stood beside the cross of Jesus, the centurion, and as, as Jesus died, what did that man he said? He says, truly, this Man was the Son of God. And have you beheld God's glory and said that for yourself? Truly this man was a Son of God who died for me so that I might share in his inheritance. Or I wonder this morning, once, once you knew 
the glory of God in your life. Once, once you knew the joy of your salvation, once you knew what it was to be in a close relationship with the Lord, to read his word, to walk closely with him. But now it almost seems like, like that vision of glory seems a distant thing. Now you, you seem to have lost the wonder. Now you seem to have lost that, that glory of vision. Of, of his glory. And maybe you need to come today, this morning. And, and just realize that things just aren't right. That you've lost that vision of Christ's glory. Maybe you just need to stop again. Come to his word. Come and see all that Christ has come and done for you. And just ask, Lord, would you restore to me again that joy, that wonder, that vision of your glory? Well, just briefly to look at his grace and then his truth. His grace. In what way do we see God's grace? Well, in the very fact that he came to dwell among us. You see, as we've said, he didn't have to come. We have rebelled against God. We've turned our back on him. We've gone our own way. But God pursued us. He didn't have to, but he did. Uh, think of how many times somebody has wronged you or done something to hurt you. How quick are we to say, well, that's it. I'm finished with that person. I've had enough. I'm not talking to them anymore. But here's God. We've sinned against him. We've broken his law. We've rebelled against him. He doesn't do that with us. He pursues us and sending his son to die for us, to save us. And this is where we see the fullness of, 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 of the grace that is seen in Jesus, that he came to this earth to save us. We rebelled against God and that penalty was death. Separation, eternal separation from God and hell. We would perish, perish. And this is what John's gospel, Austin, talks about, perish. But what does he say in chapter 3, verse 16? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And this is what it means. Whenever we read in John 1, verse 16... For from his fullness we have received grace upon grace. Or, or other versions say, uh, we, uh, grace in place of grace already given. And what does it mean? It means, yes, that as the disciples came uh, and saw his grace firsthand, in the fact that he came and he lived among us. John's saying, but more than that, we've not only seen it, but we've experienced it firsthand. And that we know that we have eternal life in Christ. And is that your experience this morning? Do you know that grace firsthand? Yes, maybe you know something of Jesus. The fact that he came and he died for your sin. And the beauty of that grace. But do you know his grace firsthand? Do you know what it is to have life? And have life more abundantly? Do you know what it is? 
And are you assured of the fact that you will not perish, but that you will have life? Jesus came to pay that price so that we could have life. You know, I know a, I know a man, and uh, he's a minister, and he was going to America once. Uh, and as he was going, he was going on some business, and he had to hire out a car. Uh, and whenever he hired out the car, the man at the kiosk said to him, make sure uh, you bring the car back on time because there's a fee if you're late. And so I thought, that, okay, that's fine. So he took the car. He went off for a number of days on his business, and he was coming back. And what do you expect? Uh, as always happens when you're under a bit of pressure, he's running late. And he's rushing as fast as he can and he packs the car up and he, he runs to the, the, the kiosk and he's just late. He's gone over the time he was meant to have the car back. And he apologizes and he says, I'm, look, I'm really sorry. I'm sorry I'm late. And he hands the keys back. And he's, uh, he says to the man, well, what do I owe you? What's the fine for being late? And the man looks at him and he says, oh, no, it's all right. You don't have anything to pay. Uh, and the minister's puzzled. He says, well, why is that? He says, well, there's a, an hour's grace period. And of course, he's, he's really happy. Uh, he doesn't have to pay the, the, the fine. But he's a minister, so he's curious. And he looks at the man and he says, well, what does grace mean? And the man looks back at him and says, I don't know what it means, but I just know you don't have to pay. And you know, if you take anything else away this morning, take this away. That is the reason that Christ came. That's the reason that he came down to this earth. So that if you would trust in him, you would not have to pay for the price of your sin. But you would know what it is to have eternal life. Well, lastly and very quickly, the truth. John says, We've seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is also full of truth. It's through his teaching and through him that the truth of the gospel is revealed to us. Uh, the truth of how we can have life and not perish. But it's not just his teaching that is truth. But uh, he, is, he is the truth. He is the only truth. You know, very often uh, when I was at Bible college, every, every Thursday we'd go down to the university and we'd do some street outreach and you'd get chatting to folk there and just trying to share the gospel with them. And, you know, we would hear time and time again things like, you'd share the gospel, things like, oh, that's your truth. That's good for you. That's good you believe that. But that's, that's your truth. Or other times you'd hear things like, oh, well, that's, that's a truth. You'd chat to them and say, well, that, that's a truth. That's what you believe, but I believe this, and this is my truth, and this is what's true to me. I want to tell you that's nonsense. Jesus is the truth, the only truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He is the way to eternal life. Because he is the truth. There is no other way. And without him, there is no way. We're lost. And without Christ, it's not just that we wouldn't be able to come to the Father, but we wouldn't even know the way. 
He is the truth, and it's through him that we can have life. And you know the amazing thing, that he is the truth. The amazing thing about that is whenever we come to his word and we read, as the Father loved me, so I have loved you, we know it's true. We know that when we read that I have, when he says, I have come that you may have life and that you may have it to the full, we know truly that if we trust in Christ, that, that the void of our life will be filled with the satisfaction of a relationship in Christ. We know that when we read, whoever believes in me shall not perish but have eternal life. We know it's true. If you would believe, you will have eternal life. And this is why Jesus came. So that we might know his truth. That we might know his grace. Grace and truth came through Jesus. Just to close, John ends in verse 18 this short prelude and he says, For no one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. And John is saying that before Christ came, no one had ever seen God. But now that Christ has come, we know him in a greater way. And it's like John is saying, I've seen Jesus. I've come to know him. I saw his glory firsthand. I saw his grace and his truth. But more than that, now through him I have come to truly know God. I have come to truly know him in a personal way. Know what it is to have life in him. And I just want to finish this morning by saying, do you know that? Do you truly know that this morning? How can you know that? John 1 verse 13. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. And if you don't know what it is to be saved this morning, come, receive him, believe in his name, and you will be a child of God. Let's pray.